Please turn with me in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. And when we last left off in our story, we saw Jonah cast into the waters and swallowed up by a great fish which the Lord had prepared. And this great fish was prepared for Jonah as a means of salvation from the watery grave which he found himself in. But it was also prepared as a means of discipline to bring Jonah back to the Lord. So now this prophet is no longer in the depths of the sea, but instead he is in the belly of the fish. And that is where we will pick up our reading this afternoon. So hear now the word of our Lord from Jonah chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I, uh, hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let us once again ask his blessing upon it. O most gracious God, we come unto thee once again. We are thankful for this word which thou hast given us, this word which brings life to the dead. This word that brings sight to the blind. This word that brings wisdom to the foolish. And so, Lord, as the word has gone forth, as it has been proclaimed, we Ask that thou wouldst keep thy promise that when the word goes forth, it would never return void. Let the seeds of thy word implant itself in the hearer so that this word would be planted deeply in our hearts. And that it would spring forth into greater devotion unto thee. O Lord, we pray for the preaching of this word. That it would go and change the hearts of men. We pray that the. Preaching would be uh, not in the enticing words of man's wisdom, but be in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. 
We pray, Lord, that thou wouldst speak through the words of thy servant this afternoon. Feed us with thy word. Nourish us. Strengthen us. Equip us. Give us thy word. And let us receive it with gladness and with joy. O Lord, feed us this day. And we ask in Christ's name. Amen. I'm sure most, if not all of you here, have experienced great times of distress. I'm sure you've experienced times of turmoil. Times in which you're facing the biggest trial of your life that you've ever experienced. In those times, so often we see one of two responses take place. Either we tend to get overwhelmed by the circumstances of life and get bogged down by what's going on so much so that it seems to be an inescapable storm much like that which Jonah experienced. Or, we tend to recognize that we are incapable of facing whatever it is that's coming our way. And so we turn to the Lord and we cry out to Him for His help. And many times, both of these responses occur. We go through the first response trying to figure out uh, what ways we can make it better. We try to find that means of escape until eventually we realize that we're helpless. And so then we cry out to God for His aid. That's essentially what we see here in the actions of Jonah. This great prophet fled from the presence of Jehovah. He didn't want to obey the calling of the Lord on his life, and so he did whatever he could to ensure that he was free from the clutches of the Almighty. But the Lord would not stand for that. And so God hurled this great tempest upon the sea which threatened to destroy the ship which Jonah thought was his means of escape. And then once it came to light that he was the one responsible for the great tempest, he was cast into the sea, sinking lower and lower into the depths. Jonah tried to do what he could to avoid. He tried to do what he could to avoid what had been brought his way. But he soon came to realize that he was helpless, that there was nothing he could do to escape the call of the Lord. And just when you thought it was the end, now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. 
And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And it is here in the belly of this great fish that Jonah finally cries out to the Lord. And we'll consider this by looking at first Jonah's prayer, next Jonah's experience, and then finally Jonah's hope. So first, let us consider Jonah's prayer. We read in the first two verses, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the belly, or out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Jonah prayed. This is a man who has been strangely silent when it comes to communicating with the Lord. And he's not just a man though, he's a prophet of the Lord. And yet, through all of what's happened, through all the running and the fleeing, through the storm and being confronted by the mariners, Never once did Jonah open his mouth in prayer. That is until now. Finally, the prophet prays. Matthew Henry writes, he had been fleeing from God, but now he sees the folly of it and returns to him. By prayer, he draws near to that God whom he had gone aside from and engages his heart to approach him. Friends, how often do we find ourselves in a similar situation where so much is going on around us, so much that ought to bring us to our knees and yet we neglect to cry out to the Lord. It's as though for some reason your soul would rather do anything else than turn to the Lord in prayer. I know this is speculation, but, but imagine if Jonah had prayed sooner. Would he have been in the situation that he was in if he had prayed unto Jehovah when all the pagan sailors were praying to their false gods? We don't know if it would have changed anything, but it's shocking that he didn't. So often we do as Jonah, and we wait until the very last second to turn our hearts to the Lord and pour out our souls to Him in prayer. Do not wait, dear friends. Cry out to God now before things get worse. Or even better, cry out to God now while things are going well. And don't wait for things to get bad. And notice that Jonah prays unto the Lord in an intimate way. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God. It's not simply a cry of desperation unto the Lord, but it is a cry of faith that Jonah brings forth. He prays unto the Lord his God. 
He's taking possession of the Lord as His own. No longer is He fleeing from the Lord's presence, but He now embraces the Lord's presence. Jehovah is His God. Jonah prays by faith grounded on God's almightiness. He prays with assurance and hope of faith, looking to God as His God. If the power of the Lord and His mercy keep Jonah alive in the fish's belly, the same power and mercy can deliver him out of this danger. And the prophet believes that he is kept here for an enlargement that is as miraculous as his confinement was. But notice that he says that he cried out of the belly of hell. His cry came from the belly of hell. Jonah's very likely taking the words of Psalm 18 on his lips, where we read, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. To Jonah, the belly of this fish was the very depths of Sheol, the grave, hell. And yet, even from the lowest place, he prayed to the Lord. There's nothing you're going to go through. There are no lows that you will ever experience that would be so much as to prevent you from being able to pray unto the Lord your God. Friends, you could be in the very depths of Sheol with the sorrows of hell compassing you about and yet you are not too far from the Lord to pray unto Him. And hear the words of Jonah in this prayer as a comfort to you in your lowest point as well. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and He heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and Thou heardest my voice. Friends, the Lord hears the prayers of His people. How comforting is that? Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, in the, in the depths of the sea, in the belly of hell. And yet when he prayed unto the Lord his God, the Lord heard his prayers. Once again, we see the words of the psalmist on his lips, but this time from Psalm 116. I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul.
And just a note here, Jonah doesn't have scripture with him as he's going through his darkest time in his life. And yet, over and over, time after time again, it is the Psalms which are on his lips. Theologians have tried to say that what Jonah's doing here is he's writing his own psalm. That's not accurate. It's something like seven different psalms that Jonah is quoting pieces from in his time of despair. Oh, that we would be so immersed in Scripture, so well-versed in the Psalms, that when the sorrows of death compass you and the pains of hell get upon you, that it would be those words of Christ upon your lips. Even as you pray unto the Lord. It's important to note that Jonah writing uh, that the Lord heard his prayers came after his deliverance. He's not writing this as he's in the belly of the fish. This is afterwards. And so we need to realize that in the moment, Jonah was just praying. And trusting that the Lord would hear his prayers. Oftentimes the Lord hears our prayers, but he doesn't make it known to us in the moment. It's not until after Jonah's delivered that he's able to say, the Lord heard my prayers. And it's only after he has brought us through that we truly see that the Lord of hosts was with us through it all. But if Jonah's experience in the moment was not uh, the comfort of of the Lord's hearing his prayer, then what was his experience in this moment? Well, we see it in verses 3 and 5. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. The waters compassed me about, even to my, uh, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. He was cast into the deep, into the midst of the seas. The floods had overtaken him, and the billows and the waves had come over him. Here we see a great description of the scene which Jonah had been placed in. And it shows us the terror of the sea and the violence which he was experiencing. And once again, it's Psalm 42 on the lips of our prophet as he's recounting this. Deep calleth to deep at the do- at the noise of thy water spouts all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me 
So here he is, trapped in this watery grave with no hope for escape. And as if to confirm that there was no means of escape, he speaks of the weeds that had wrapped around his head. It's as though he were saying that there could be no means of escape because even the seaweeds were entangling him, tying him down so as to keep him from being able to do anything but sink lower and lower. And suddenly, it all ceases. It all ceases with the giant gulp of this great fish. And now Jonah is in the belly of hell. And he's experiencing the closest thing on earth which would match that which he desired so greatly in the beginning of chapter 1 to be out of the presence of the Lord. But we know in reality that this isn't the case. He's not outside of the presence of the Lord, but the Lord is there with Jonah in the belly of the fish. He knew now more than ever the reality of Psalm 139, verse 7 and 8. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Jonah's bed is in the belly of hell, and God is there. And Jonah knew this even when he was in the belly of the fish. Not only was the Lord there with him, but he was the one who caused all of this to take place. Remember how I said at the very first uh, sermon in this series that the constant recurring theme throughout this book is the sovereignty of God? Here we see it again. For thou hast cast me into the sea in the midst of the seas. Or in, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas. And the floods compassed me about all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. His mind doesn't go back to the mariners as the one who cast him into the sea, but instead he recognizes that it was the Lord who cast him into the deep. And Calvin writes, Jonah did not then think of the sailors and the rest who cast him into the sea, but his mind was fixed on God. This is the reason why he says, Thou, Lord, hadst cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea. And then thy billows, thy waves. He does not here regard the nature of the sea, but he bestows, as I have already said, all his thoughts on God and acknowledges that he had nothing to do with him. He calls them God's billows. And God's waves. And he does so not only because God made them, because we know that the sea is his and all that uh, in them is. And it's not only because he rules over 
everything that He's made, because even the wind and the seas obey Him. But it's because He had now commissioned the billows and the waves to be used against Jonah. He limited them and ordered them to to afflict and to terrify this prophet. But he was in such control of them that he ensured that they would not destroy him. Here we see the sovereignty of God over His creation used as an instrument for the chastisement of His wayward Son. Friends, I don't know everything that you may be going through. I don't know if your circumstances of life right now seem as though you've been cast into the deep in the midst of the sea. You may feel as though the flood has compassed you about and all the billows and waves have passed over you. And even if that is the case, I want you to know that there is nothing that you will go through that has not been prepared beforehand and is sovereignly controlled by the almighty hand of God. Friends, I want you to know that He is the one who is in control of all things. They are His billows and His waves. And if He is the one who is in control, then you have nothing to fear. He will be the one to provide for you in your time of need. He will be the one to provide for you a great escape in His due timing. Trust in the Lord. Rest in His promises that He will never leave you nor forsake you. Cling to that promise of 1 Corinthians 10.13. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Let that be your experience. And so finally, we see Jonah's hope. Look with me at verse 4. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. I am cast out of thy sight. I am cut off from all hope of life among men. I am rejected and forsaken and, and it, as, it, as it were forgotten by my God and left by this death to pass into a worse death. Jonah is overcome with a sense of the present danger 
from God's displeasure. And he's almost carried away with despair of ever seeing the face of God again in comfort. In this moment, he's embodying the words of Psalm 31, 22, For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. And so in the midst of his despair, he begins to have hope. Sinclair Ferguson says, Wherefore, before he kicked against the pricks of conscience, which would have restrained him from his private persecution of God, and fled from God's presence, Jonah 1.3 and verse 10. Now he fled to God's presence. What an incredible account that this is, that the man who once forsook the blessing of the Lord and fled from His presence now longs for the blessing of the Lord. And looks forward with an anticipation to be in his presence. Oh, what a tremendous work the Lord can do in the heart of a wayward child to bring him back unto himself. It's as though Jonah is that prodigal son whom the Lord used the means of his own rebellion to bring him back to the Father. And so Jonah now has this hope. It's a hope that he will once again be in the presence of God. He says with longing anticipation, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. He's remembering the blessing that he had in Israel and he's longing for it just as David did in Psalm 42.4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. And with the voice of joy and praise of the multitude that kept holy day. He says he will yet uh, look again unto the Lord's holy temple. Because it is the temple of the Lord. It's the house of God as Psalm 42 says which is the place in which the special presence of the Lord is more intimately experienced. He's saying that now, instead of wanting to flee from the presence of the Lord, he has hope that one day he will get to experience the special presence of Him once again. And so God was able to bring Jonah back from the path which led only to death and destruction and put him on the path which leads to the glorious presence of Jehovah. And it was not an easy turning of Jonah. It took the most violent means imaginable, the most terrifying scenario that he could ever have to go through in order for the Lord to bring him back. But friends, Jehovah is faithful to His people and He will always bring them back. And so it is with us. 
God is able to use means to bring us back to himself, whether they be in undramatic means or means as dramatic as those that he used to bring back Jonah. He knows the way to bring us back, and we must allow him to be the judge of what is necessary to restore us to his presence. What's important is that he brings us back to live in his presence and to know both the shame and joy of restoration by his grace towards us. And so we must be convinced that what is most important to us in our personal lives, in our corporate lives as the body of Christ, in our families, in our evangelism, in our worship, what's most important is the presence of God. All other things are secondary and should serve towards that great end. Far too often the reason for our waywardness is because we have fled from the presence of the Lord. Far too often those who are experiencing the greatest storms of this life are in the midst of that storm because they fled from the Lord's presence. They've forsaken His house. And they've boarded a ship that is bound to Tarshish. Friends, if you are His, the Lord will bring you back to Him. There is hope in the midst of the tempest. You too can say that you will look again unto His holy temple. Trust in Him and He will restore you into His presence. Brothers and sisters, this cry of Jonah seems very similar to our own in times of distress and despair. Recognize what it is that you are going through and why it is that you're going through it. See your own fault if there be any and repent of it. And most importantly, see that you are helpless to do anything on your own. Cry out to the Lord. Pray to the Lord your God and He will hear your prayer and answer it according to His will. Do not despair. There is hope. Find your rest in Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come unto Thee once again. And we pray, Lord, that we would find our rest in Thee. That we would fix our eyes upon Thee and never flee from Thy presence. O Lord, comfort our souls in the midst of the raging seas of life. Be with us, even as we go through the belly of hell, just as Jonah did. Let us be able to say that thou hast heard our prayers. O Lord, be with us. 
And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.